Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. No one wants to take time out from running due to ill health, so looking after your immune system is really key. Immune health is really important for a runner, so today we're going to take a deep dive into the new perspectives being proposed on immune health for athletes. This will help you ensure that your immune health is optimal for your running goal. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Club. I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen as always and our topic for today focuses on runners immune health and we're going to be looking at it from a new perspective. So before we get into the subject I'd just like to welcome back our regular listeners and if you're listening for the first time a very warm welcome to you and we hope you enjoy this episode and enjoy some of the episodes that we've done before and all of the episodes to follow. And Karen and I love podcasting and we love it even more when we hear from you. So please drop us a line at hello at runnershealthhub.com, introduce yourself and share with us a little bit about your running and nutrition goals. Um, We love to hear from you and it really helps us plan future topics for the podcast. Uh, And also that we have some uh, free downloadable eBooks at our website, runnershealthhub.com. If you look at the top menu bar, there's a tab for free nutrition guides and you'll find them all there. And the most popular one we find is top running snacks and nutrient timing. And that's to help fuel your running. And that goes alongside much of the advice we share in our episode. Um, so we hope that helps you. Okay, so let's get started. Um, now, you might remember um, back in, in December that Karen attended a conference in Manchester, which was the ISENC conference, the International Sport and Exercise Nutrition Conference. And that's an annual event where many leading scientists from the world of sports nutrition come together to share their knowledge. And from that event, we thought that we would share some of the information that Karen learned about uh, regarding an athlete's immune health. Uh, In other words, what is the current scientific thinking on this subject? So today we're going to give you an overview 
an overview of the potential paradigm shift in optimizing an athlete's immune health. We're going to introduce the nutritional influence in supporting this paradigm shift. And we'll also give you some ideas of how to introduce these nutritional recommendations into your meal plan. So, Karen, that was a very long introduction. Um, So can you maybe share with us why you decided this was an important topic to discuss today? Yes, absolutely. And you're, you're right, that was a long introduction, but very well done. But anyway, hi, Aileen, and hi to everybody else as well. Now, I think the principal reason that I decided on this topic is because there does appear to be significant developments in the approach to supporting an athlete's immune health nutritionally. Now, I've, I feel that it's really important to learn about, and for us, Um, uh, uh, to share these up-to-date approaches to sports nutrition for runners so that we can really inform our listeners and our clients appropriately. Now, I also feel that if we, and by we, I'm speaking about all of us, so you and I, Aileen, as, as the educators and practitioners, but also our listeners as well, if we if we don't listen and learn we don't change. And if we don't change, we can become stagnant and stuck. So, um, but uh, the the reverse side of that is if we learn and embrace the education, we can feel much more informed and confident in making the correct nutritional choices for our running goals and our general health. So I really feel that this episode is definitely for the person who loves learning and really wants to embrace the nutritional change that goes with that learning to really help enhance running performance and support general health. So those are the reasons really, Aileen, I've chosen this subject. Great. Well, that sounds like it's going to be quite enlightening today. So uh, shall we get started? So let's think about um, outlining the key paradigm shifts um, in with regards to immune health in athletes, what what's the new thinking, Karen? Yes, well, the information actually that I'm going to share with everybody today is taken from a lecture that was given by Neil Walsh. Now, he's a scientist from um, Liverpool's John Moores University. And as well as the lecture that he gave in 2019, he wrote a really good review paper on this subject. And it was titled Nutrition and Athlete Immune Health, New Perspectives on an Old Paradigm. So I'll really draw on information um, that was in that paper as well. And I'll share the link with you um, in show notes so that you can you can peruse it yourselves. So really, the paradigm shift that Walsh discusses involves the concept of immune resistance versus immune tolerance. Now, immune resistance is the established approach to supporting immune health, and it continues to be relevant. And this is whereby diet and or dietary supplements are utilised to counter an apparently weak immune system. Whereas immune tolerance, so that's where the paradigm shift is, focuses on the beneficial interactions between pathogens and the immune system. So in other words, the immune immune system's ability to tolerate or endure microbes, yet at the same time still in controlling infection at a non-damaging level. Now, 
at the moment, this new perspective or this potential new paradigm shift in immune health is theoretical. However, it is gaining ground and the research into this area is ongoing. Oh, thanks for explaining that, Karen. But would you explain the significance of this paradigm shift the, from the immune resistance to immune tolerance and how, how is that impacting on the health of an athlete? Yes, well, Walsh suggests that by focusing on immune tolerance, it means that there could potentially be more targeted nutritional supplementation that um, would be used in reducing the infection burden in athletes because the body would be able to endure the microbes. So it would help reduce the burden. Now, it is thought that this approach could be more beneficial than using nutrition to help the body fight any infection that's occurring so it's 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 this it's this difference between endurance and fighting in a way yeah and that's um quite an interesting thought that um that it's considered a a paradigm shift because it's an approach that i think functional medical practitioners have been using for some time but perhaps it's just new to the sporting population and um, I'm wondering which nutrients they focus on regarding this immune tolerance, Karen. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right on that point there, Aileen, that it is um, a, 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 an approach that the functional medicine practitioners use, and it's an approach in general health. However, this is specific to athletes, and it's a new approach that they're considering and pulling on data that is out there regarding sort of the general population. So it's just sort of targeting it to the athlete um the athlete population. So, um, yeah, I totally agree with that. Now, regarding the the nutrients that they're focusing on regarding this immune tolerance, the key ones are probiotics, um, as well as vitamin D, vitamin C and protein, which, you know, we'll talk about that later on, I'm sure. Yeah, great. Well, I mean, I think the important thing is that the immune health of athletes is is receiving attention because no athlete wants time out of training, you know, whether you're a professional athlete or a recreational athlete. Um, and often illness is, you know, a, a, it's a concern, isn't it? And, and mm. in fact, illness is thought to be the second most common reason that athletes lose days from training, and that's second only to injury. And the types of illnesses that um, athletes are particularly prone to are upper respiratory tract infections and GI tract dysfunction. They're the most common illnesses that runners experience. And and obviously, both of them can be very debilitating. And we did talk about this um, back in episode 14 quite a long time ago. um, And we talked about endurance running and immune health. And I think we that was around about the time that COVID was just really developing. So immune health was big on everybody's agenda. uh, And it still is, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And and I have to say, I'm sure that we've all experienced some sort of immune dysfunction at some point, which has meant taking time away from a running and it's not what we want to do. So um, and it was interesting in a survey that was carried out on athletes, they found that approximately 70 percent of illnesses led to time away from training and the remaining 30 percent meant reduced training for a period of time. So it really 
is a huge issue um, and, and will affect an athlete in some way um, uh, regarding their training and their performance. So nutritionally, the fundamental aim really is to try to reduce or avoid the incidence of and the days to recover from any illness, really. Yeah, definitely. So thinking about women, Karen, are there any female factors that we should consider regarding immune health? Yeah, well, there is one um, female factor that I think is worth mentioning here, and it's linked to two recent studies um, that were carried out on female athletes, which is good to hear. And it showed that approximately half of them were classified as having low energy availability. Now, I think that's high in itself, actually, that half of them were suffering from this. Now, this low energy um, availability appeared to be associated with a four to eight times higher risk of developing an upper respiratory tract infection. So, um, you know, just not having the, the the nutrients and the energy can can compromise the immune system. Now, I must stress here that it was an association with rather than a causation of the the upper respiratory tract infection. But it does suggest that this low energy availability might be a risk factor for reduced immunity and increased infection. Um, In other words, if you're under eating, your nutrition your your nutrient status is likely to be under par. So you need to be eating enough to get all the nutrients that you need to support your immune system and your performance. Yeah, that's common sense, really. But, you know, often people don't think about that. Mm. So, so, so far, we've established that there's this new perspective on immune health of athletes, and it's focusing on immune tolerance rather than immune resistance. So I like to think of it as being immune resilience rather than tolerance it's sort of that feels a better word to me um, mm. but we'll we'll go with the scientists <laughs> even though I'd like it to be resilience um, so now let's think about how nutrition can support reducing that infection burden on the immune system and Karen you you mentioned that the focus the current focus on research is to do with protein probiotics vitamin d and vitamin c and we have covered all of these nutrients in previous episodes which uh, we'll add to the show notes so I won't list them all but you know there's four or five uh, good episodes that will help you dig a bit deeper into uh, those particular nutrients so Karen shall we talk about protein to begin with and how that can support immune tolerance Yes, absolutely, Aileen. It is well known that the immune system needs an optimal supply of energy to be able to fight any infection, really. So what I would say is that an adequate intake of all the macronutrients um, would be important. So that's your fats, your carbohydrates, as well as your protein. But in respect of protein um, here, in addition to it potentially being an energy source, um, it's building blocks. So that's the amino acids that we've spoken about um, on lots of occasions. They're required for the production of many of the infection-fighting proteins, such as the immunoglobulins and cytokines, which I'm sure everybody's heard of these words since the days of COVID. So what could happen is if low-protein 
is evident. It could mean an increased risk of infection severity. Now, I think many people will have heard of Koshiorkor, and that's a condition that's associated with malnourished children. And the principal symptoms of this condition are suppressed immunity and an increased um, incidence of infection as well. And it has been found that this increased incidence um, um, of infection is is due principally to a low protein intake. So, um, so that there is a, a, a very close link between protein and immune health. Yeah, and I mean, we're always talking about how important it is to keep our protein intake uh, optimal. Um, remember that we, we're usually recommending that as we get older, so in midlife and into older age, we should increase our protein intake. So the aim is to have between 1.2 grams to 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight uh, per day. Um, so that's just a, a little reminder of how much protein we need. So that's um, that's you know a really important aspect Karen but something that maybe people haven't thought about would be the importance of probiotics for immune health so is that something that you could expand upon for us? Yeah so looking at it um, regarding immune um, tolerance or resilience as you like to say Aileen in short really thinking about what probiotics are, they're, they're really um, to help facilitate the homeostasis, so that balance of the beneficial bacteria within our intestinal microbial family. Now, remember, we've spoken about this before, approximately 70% of our immune system is contained within our gut. But the current Western diet and lifestyle is also well known to affect that balance of the gut flora, potentially leading to a dysbiosis. So that's an imbalance of the, the gut bacteria and the there's, there's then the immune fallout from that. Now, probiotics, and remember, these are, are live microorganisms and prebiotics, which are the um they provide the fuel for the, the the microbes so these live microorganisms now the probiotics through supplementation are thought to have tolerogenic effects on the immune system so this immune tolerance through their ability to influence the intestinal microbial hub so those microbes within the gut as well as the intestinal being able to influence the intestinal or mucosal barrier immune system again within the gut so um so so they're it's the probiotics are really supporting the gut health in many different ways. So the probiotic supplements can really help promote a, a balance of both beneficial and non-beneficial bacteria. And that could prevent any unnecessary inflammatory responses to um, some harmless foreign microbes and substances in the body. So um, that's a sort of a, a concise, I suppose, overview of um, mm. how the probiotics can influence the immune system. So the next um, nutrient that you mentioned, Karen, was vitamin C. So what can you tell us uh, briefly about vitamin C and the immune system? Yeah, so vitamin C 
really is found in high concentrations in leukocytes. So those are white blood cells that fight infection. However, it has been found that levels fall dramatically during a common cold or any other infection, really. And it's been proposed that vitamin C supplementation could help improve the immune tolerance by reducing the risk of excessive tissue damage during any sort of infection or the common cold or the upper respiratory type infections. Now, vitamin C levels are also known to be low um, when there is oxidative stress around. Now, that oxidative stress is is caused when there's an imbalance between the production of free radicals and the antioxidants within the body to help neutralize these free radicals. And and I think it's important to remember that heavy training itself can lead to increased oxidative stress without any other potential um, occurrences either coming in from the outside or occurring within the body that can lead to oxidative stress. So our, our training itself can do it. Now, Increased oxidative stress is also known to increase the risk of an upper respiratory tract infections. And studies have shown that by increasing vitamin C intake via supplementation in athletes, it can help um, reduce that risk of an upper respiratory tract infection occurring. So it's the antioxidant properties of vitamin C that are beneficial here. Um, But we also know that taking antioxidant supplementation can inhibit the body's ability to produce its own antioxidant compounds. So, Karen, I wondered what your thoughts are on that, because it's a bit of a dilemma sometimes for people. Yeah, I think that's a a really good point um, that that you pick up on there, Alien. And I think my advice really would be to be mindful of the timing of supplementation. Now, in the review paper, they um, also mentioned the possibility of vitamin C supplementation blunting some endurance training adaptations as well. Now, they didn't detail which adaptations could be blunted, but they did mention it could occur when high dose vitamin C um, supplementation is used. So that's when doses of um, one gram per day, so a thousand milligrams per day or more are given, it might have a blunting effect, as well as what you say, Aileen, is the, the, the potential for um for inhibiting the body's ability to produce its own antioxidants. So timing timing of supplementation may be important there. And would you explain what you mean by blunting in this context, Karen? Yeah, absolutely. So so blunting um, of, of training up adaptations basically means that there is limited positive changes in the skeletal muscles and the cardiovascular systems, um, which which is generally associated with endurance training. So those are the two areas or the two systems where there's a a huge amount of um, positive adaptation that leads to increased performance. So like I said, the review paper didn't really detail the adaptations affected 
by increased vitamin C intake. However, just to give you an idea of some of the well-recognized positive changes associated with endurance training, adaptations include an increase in delivery of oxygen to working muscles for energy production, and that's known to um, help delay the onset of muscle fatigue, and also an increase in mitochondrial production. And just remembering that our mitochondria are our cellular powerhouses for energy production. So um, if, if what this is suggesting is that if, if there's too much vitamin C um, supplementation taken, it may blunt some of this. And this is not what we what we want. So again, I, I think that potentially it would be about the timing. It doesn't mean to say you don't take the supplements. It's just about when you take them. Right. Well, that's that's really helpful, I think, for everybody to know. Um, so that brings us to vitamin D, Karen. What can you tell us about vitamin D in the immune system? Yes, well, I think we all know about vitamin D's effect on calcium absorption and bone health. And, and I think many of us are also um, aware that in recent years it has been linked to immune health as well. Um, um, because vitamin D receptors are expressed on on many of the immune cells, including T cells and B cells, which again, I think everybody has heard of the, or most people have heard of these names now due to the events of COVID over the past few years and how important T cells and B cells are in, um, in, in sort of infection and, and fighting infection. Now, thinking about vitamin D and its immune tolerance effects, it is thought that an adequate vitamin D status might help prevent any overly lively immune responses following T-cell activation. And in turn, this could lead to a reduction in the severity and the length of time of any infection, including the upper respiratory tract infections, which many um, runners and athletes generally could suffer from. Great. So um, that's a bit of a roundup on vitamin D. Um, so I think, Karen, shall we take a quick break for a, an advert and then I'll uh, we'll we'll carry on from there. Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. So um, really, it's it's over to you. OK, then. So as as we said, this is the, the moment in the episode where we tell you a little bit about what Karen and I do outside of the podcast. And um, if you don't already know, I'd be surprised if you don't, because we've been talking about this quite a lot recently. Um, the big news is that our Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner program is opening very soon. And we'd love to uh, invite you to join us. So the program actually opens uh, next Monday on the 27th of March. So not long now. And um, we we designed the Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner method and program because we felt there was a need for a simple approach which solved the challenges that many midlife female runners face. And often, uh, you know, over the last few years that Karen and I have been working together, we've heard about the challenges that women face um, in midlife and particularly those challenges are tiredness, they notice body shape changes and loss of muscle tone, they might be experiencing irregular and heavy periods, they could be suffering from poor sleep and also they have a busy lifestyle. It's a time of life where we get very busy and uh, you know, we've got a lot of responsibilities and often that can limit our um, 
ability and motivation to make the changes that we need to make. So when we designed the method, we were very mindful of these challenges and, and we totally focused on how, how we can help you resolve them. And I think it's safe to say that both Karen and I have walked in your steps when it comes to experiencing these midlife challenges. We understand what you're going through and we also understand how transformational it can be to use nutrition to support and minimise the impact of these challenges. So we're on a mission to help midlife women who value their health and want to enjoy their running by making simple and targeted nutrition and lifestyle changes. So if you're interested in joining us or are indeed just interested in finding out more about if you're a good fit for the programme, then the next step is to book a discovery call with us. And um, our diaries are open. We're just ready for your call. So we, we're offering a short informal call because we just want to make sure that you're the best fit for the programme. And uh, we don't want you investing in the programme if it isn't the best fit for you or for us. Now, booking a call doesn't mean you're committed to buying the programme. It's just really giving you an opportunity to find out more and have your questions answered. And then if you you decide that the programme is for you, we can make all the arrangements to get you booked onto the programme. And uh, if you're interested in booking a call, we'll put a link into our show notes. And remember, it's on our website, too. So just look at the work with us button and uh, you'll find uh, booking a discovery call link there. And, you know, if you can't find the link, just drop us a line at hello at runnershealthhub.com and we'll send it over to you. And also, we just wanted to say we know that we've got women around the world listening to us on a regular basis. So if you are in a different time zone, um, don't let that put you off either booking a call or joining the program because we can accommodate you. Just let us know um, if you can't find a time slot um, in our diary. Let us know what time would be good for you and we can get that set up. So I think that's that's all I can share at this moment, Karen. Yeah, that's great, Helen. It's very exciting that the doors are opening next week. So um, and although they're they're opening next week, you can still book your call at any time because you'll be able to 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 join the the program at any time. So um, do do go online and um, book in for a discovery call and learn more about it from Aileen and myself. Okay, so let's move on now and consider how to introduce some of the nutrients we've discussed into your meal plan on a regular basis to help support you and your immune system. Now, I'm not going to discuss protein here because we do speak about it so often. So for today, um, we'll look at um, probiotics, vitamin C and vitamin D as well, time permitting. So thinking about probiotics, um, the review paper by Walsh that I mentioned suggested that um, previous research to his review determined that a daily intake of approximately 10 trillion live bacteria per day for at least 28 days would be supportive for immune health. And that was including various different strains. There were three in particular that he was um, looking at, including Bifidobacterium, Lactobacillus um, fermentum and Lactobacillus cassiocerota. Now, this was found to help shorten the duration of and reduce the severity of an upper respiratory tract infection. So looking quite hopeful there. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And um, I suppose that the key thing to say is if you are considering a probiotic supplement, we'd always suggest you consult with a qualified um, nutrition practitioner. Um, it's important that you choose a probiotic that suits your personalised health requirements. Uh, and that includes um, considerations for contraindications with medications. Now, probiotics can be used as a therapeutic tool. Um, so it's, it's important to include um, them in your plan, but also to think about including probiotics and prebiotic foods um, as part of your regular food plan because that's really going to help enhance your microbiome and not just to to sort of rely on the supplements. Now, some of the foods that you might have heard of are fermented foods such as kimchi and sauerkraut, which are very helpful, but they're actually not currently classed as probiotics um, because they, you know, they um, there hasn't been a lot of uh, research around these products. Um, but I think anecdotally, they've been used throughout the, the world uh, for centuries. And uh, we know that there are some really good health benefits. So we'd really recommend that you include them in your food plan. And I certainly include them in my plan every day. And hopefully in time, there'll be more research that will back up the benefits of eating these foods. Um, so Karen, which um, probiotic foods uh, would you include in your food plan? Yeah, the ones that I that come to mind for me, Aileen, are the likes of tempeh, which is the fermented tofu, uh, miso, which can come in um, a paste, also in a soup, uh, cultured milks and yogurt, including kefir. And I think most people have probably heard of or tasted or seen kefir on the on the supermarket shelves. And also kombucha. I think that's much more popular these days. And that's the fermented green tea, which is then flavoured with um, natural um, fruit flavours and spices, etc. And also pickled food. So um, gherkins, onions, um, there are lots of different different types of pickled foods out there. So they're, they're all, they would all be classed as um, a probiotic type food. Great. Well, I can tick quite a few of those off on my list. So um, I'm hoping I'm doing uh, all the good things there, Karen. Um, so now let's uh, think about how uh, everyone could incorporate vitamin C into the food plan. So again, this is sort of probably everybody's heard this so many times, but just as a, a recap, the the best vitamin C rich foods include all the citrus fruits. They're the sort of one that everybody would know. So oranges, grapefruits, lemon, lime. Um, berries also a good source of vitamin C. Um, so things like blackcurrants and strawberries would be great there. Um, the tropical fruits like kiwi, papaya, pineapple, mango, guava, uh, cantaloupe, melon, all, all great. And then we, we often talk about the um, green leafy and cruciferous vegetables, uh, which maybe that won't be top of mind for vitamin C, but eating things like broccoli, kale, parsley, Brussels sprouts, spinach and watercress, another way of getting vitamin C into your food plan alongside things like red and green peppers and tomatoes. And um, from an animal food point of view, if you if you are interested in eating offal, then uh, liver also is a good um, source of vitamin C. So lots of different vitamin C foods to include on a day to day basis um, into your food plan. But I suppose one of the things to bear in mind is that you can uh, if you 
cook um, these foods and you expose them to oxygen, then the vitamin C content might be reduced up to 25%. Um, so our advice is if it's an appropriate to eat them raw, then do that because that's going to preserve the vitamin C. Or if you need to cook them um, to make them uh, more palatable, either gently cooking them or steam them will help preserve the, the nutrient value. Yeah, I think all those um, foods that you've mentioned, daily, I think really shows how there's lots of opportunities to be able to get that vitamin C into the diet on a day-to-day basis, especially if you eat a rainbow of colour, because there was so much colour in all those foods that you spoke about. So just ensuring that you you eat that rainbow that we speak about of colourful fruits and vegetables every day and follow the, the suggested plan that we always speak about, so that half plate of vegetables or salads at each meal and that sort of would really um, equate to about seven to nine portions of vegetables per day and then adding in the one to two portions of fruit as well and that keeps it really colourful and varied and you'll get lots of vitamin C. Now including these foods regularly in in your diet would be excellent for maintaining vitamin C levels if levels are already adequate but what I would say is if levels are diminished for whatever reason, for example, maybe the infection, maybe increased oxidative stress that we've already spoken about, then it might be that supplementation um would be uh, beneficial as well. Now, studies have included supplementation of up to eight grams of vitamin C per day in athletes with an upper respiratory tract infection. Now, this is a very high dose and we wouldn't be, we wouldn't recommend at all that you do this without consulting with a professional first because that is a really high dose, but that was just what some of the studies um, were were using and and showing um, good results. Now, the results really regarding vitamin C have been positive in reducing the duration and the severity of infection. However, as we mentioned earlier, it could lead to blunting of training adaptations. So the current recommendations regarding that, and I spoke about earlier about the timing of taking your supplements. So what what they suggest is that, um, that you just ensure you take any vitamin C supplements at least two hours prior to or post any endurance exercise just to try um, to avoid any of the blunting effects. So um, so that would be the, the tip there. Yeah, good tip to round up on for vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're almost at the end of today's episode, Karen. So we haven't got an awful lot of time to discuss vitamin D in detail. But um, for anybody that wants to know more about vitamin D, uh, listen to episode 76, which is totally focused on vitamin D. But our best advice, and you've probably heard us talking about this in the past, is get your vitamin D status tested um, and do that regularly so at least twice a year and depending on your test results um, that will give you an indication as to whether you require supplementation Um, and if you're interested in finding out about um, which some testing companies that offer vitamin d testing um, look at our website Um, if you look at the shop button you'll see um, a a tab for testing companies that we recommend and um, you can have a look at 
booking a vitamin D test there. So, Karen, um, shall we um, move on and um, perhaps you could give us your key takeaways from today's discussion just to finalise the episode? Yeah, of course, Aileen. So just to start off with a reminder that the current scientific thinking about immune health in athletes specifically is shifting from the concept of immune resistance to the idea of immune tolerance. Now, focusing on immune tolerance um, is thought to mean more targeted nutritional supplementation could be used in reducing the infection burden in athletes. Now, regarding immune tolerance in athletes um, and nutrition, the current nutritional focus is on protein, probiotics, vitamin C and vitamin D. Now, introducing adequate amounts of food containing these nutrients and microbes into your meal plan on a regular basis may be sufficient to maintain already adequate levels. But if insufficiency or deficiency in any of these nutrients or micro digestive or, or immune microbes are present, then nutritional supplementation could be um, uh, important and required. And then finally, we would just really recommend that you work with a qualified practitioner when considering nutritional supplementations because requirements and suitability of supplements do need to be personalised, so do bear that in mind. And that would be it, Aileen. Well, thank you, Karen. That was really interesting and hopefully it's given everybody um, a good insight into how they can support their immune system and and help prevent some of these uh, potential illnesses that can take you away from training um, so do remember if we ha- we are here to support you if you would like any personalized advice on nutrition and supplementation for your run training and your immune health uh, please get in touch with us you can book a complimentary call or drop us a line at hello at runnershealthhub.com and in the meantime everyone remember don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Active Wear, please use our listeners' special discount code, 
RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. <music>